and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. So one of the things I emphasize, particularly with blind students, is what I call minimal movement, where you take a minor triad, let's say, and then you just drop the pinky finger a half step each subsequent chord. So minimal movement, and then I'm looking for melodies that use that, what I call four minors in a row. And here's a bunch of melodies that use that chord progression. Or we got another one, Blue Skies. This is Stairway to Heaven. Same chord progression. So that expedites the learning. Obviously, if you can get the left hand chords to be second nature, then we can focus on the melody. Have you ever wanted to play the piano? If so, today's guest can definitely help you and show you how easy it can be using his methods. Mark Miller does business online as the piano webman, and we will talk with him about his remote piano lessons work for both sighted and visually impaired students alike. But first for our tip of the week, this week's tip comes from Mark Miller. If you go to any one of my websites, you'll see that I have blind students performing. I have a lot of video testimonials from students around the world, and they'll tell you you know, if you've always wanted to do this, just try it. You know, you will be surprised, I think, at the, how big a sound you can get and how quickly you can play songs. Okay, we're not going to play uh, classical pieces that uh, you've never heard of. This is going to be songs that you enjoy playing and will motivate you to practice. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by APHConnectCenter.org, empowering people toward independence and success by providing blogs, information, and resources for individuals of all ages who are blind or visually impaired. Information and referral line are at 1-800-232-5463. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by meeting Mark. My name is Mark Miller. I reside in the suburbs of Chicago, and I have the distinct pleasure of teaching blind and visually impaired students the uh, beautiful instrument called piano. I've been doing this for approximately 15 years, and um, it's so very rewarding for me to be able to bring music into the lives of piano students who wouldn't ordinarily think they could play. Some of the best pianists ever are actually visually impaired or blind, right? Stevie Wonder, George Shearing, Lenny Tristano. Pete Torpy. Yeah, there you go. Pete. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to hear you play a little bit. Absolutely. I want that to be my legacy. Basically, um, I have about 12 to 15 students around the world right now. But I'm trying to get the word out there. So I'm really excited to be here with Peter and Nancy. But you're not blind yourself. No, I I am fully sighted. And um, I've been teaching piano for about 40 years. um, And I'm only 28, so it's amazing. But uh, basically, I've been doing the distance for almost 20 years. And uh, how do I say this humbly? I was really one of the first ones, probably the first one to do 
teach piano over uh, actually that was over you know my bell telephone line back in 2002 year my daughter was born wow you started the remote revolution then yeah i'm trying to be humble but i think yeah the world's kind of catching up to me now with covid right they're like oh let's do distance learning well i've been doing it quite a while <laughs> you know my first paying student was actually from england he was uh cited but he you know he took lessons as a kid and basically you know, wanted to learn some Beatles or some Boogie Woogie. He was classically trained. And his classical teacher said, what? That's not music. I'm like, excuse me? I think it's music. The Beatles are pretty popular. It's all music, right? So he was actually my first paying student from uh, Ramsey, New Hampshire in England. And that was kind of the beginning of it in 2002. Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Underwriting pairs the impact of targeted marketing with the integrity of community goodwill. Learn more by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is Mark Miller's experiences teaching remote piano lessons to students with various disabilities, including visual impairments. Well, Mark, you mentioned in the introduction that you were doing remote piano teaching for over 20 years, which back then was really something very different. What gave you the idea to start doing remote lessons way back then? That's a great question. Thank you. My brother, uh, back in when the internet started to take off, maybe 96, 97, my brother informed me of a telephone company that I could call Europe for like $2 an hour. So I'm like, wait a minute, if I could convert some of my lead sheets, right? melody and chords and into PDFs, I could send those instantly anywhere in the world. And let's say a jazz, you know, or pianist, classical pianist or jazz pianist wanted to study more jazz and they lived in Russia or China or England or what have you. I'm like, wait a minute, I could send them the PDF instantly. I could talk with them for $2 an hour. If I build a website, perhaps they'll find me. And so that was kind of the, you know, the idea. Basically, you know, there's so many classical players out there who might want to learn jazz, but they maybe don't have access to a jazz teacher. Let's say you're in China, right, or Russia, more traditional lessons. So that was kind of the um, the beginning of it. Yeah. I take it you were teaching people in person at the time, though. Oh, yeah, exactly. And you just wanted to branch out. Yeah, I wanted to branch out, and the technology certainly you know, excited me. I'm like, wow. They did a survey of adults in America, Peter and, they, and Nancy, and they, they, you know, they asked them what one thing you always wanted to do, and they didn't say theater, arts, music, sports. Number one answer play the piano. So, you know, I think uh, millions of people would like to play the piano. But, uh, you know, if you take traditional lessons, it can be a longer road. Do you still teach some in-person, what you would call traditional lessons, or is everything you do remote? Uh, I have probably 20% of my students, you know, five or six or seven in the house here. But I don't really teach, you know, the written note. Well, I don't teach classical. You know, I teach lead sheets, which is basically chords and, um, you know, a melody in the treble clef. So it's minimal reading. And, you know, you're getting a big sound very, very early on. So, yeah, I teach mostly, you know, 80% is, is Skype or Zoom now. You know, that's very interesting. 
I started playing piano when I was in second grade at a school for the blind. My first piano teacher, as a matter of fact, was blind. Wow. So it's very interesting to learn that way. But, uh-huh. you know, when you're learning music, I went to the Manhattan School of Music on their Saturday program when I was through high school to learn music. And wow. they taught you theory and piano lessons and sight reading and all this stuff. But it's all classical. And as a blind person, I had some vision at the time, but I had to look so close at the music that I couldn't play and read at the same time. So I had to memorize every note. And by the time I learned a piece, I was sick of it. And that's the time you needed to make music of it. And it wasn't until later in life that someone introduced me to jazz. And with my music theory background, it was very easy to play jazz. All I had to do was memorize the melody, which, you know, you can always whistle a tune. And then if someone told me the chords, I could put together my own arrangement. Exactly. Exactly. Thanks for sharing that. I found a great jazz teacher at age 20. We used to play all the clubs here in Chicago, but you know, I quit piano, quit piano from age six to sixteen because I wasn't getting boogie woogie blues, Beatles. You know, I, now I love the classics because I look at Chopin, I look at Bach. They're all using the circle of fifths, but it's not just notes on a page to me. I see the chord, you know, in the background, so to speak, and it's tremendously helpful. I'd just like to interject here. Pete commented, you know, as long as he could whistle the tune and somebody would read to him what the chords were. He could work out an arrangement. Well, that somebody was me for a really long time. And we went through different types of recorders as he would record me plunking out the melody and reading the chords. But now he's got software that does it all for him. I'm out of a job. It's much more effective, but I'm out of a job. That's very interesting. Yeah. So as a teacher teaching blind students, I'm like, okay, how can we expedite the learning process here? Well, I've not begun. I've been doing this a while, but and I did like 500 audio podcasts over the years. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I have 400 uh, instructional videos. So I'm like, I can still hear that. So I have about 900, you know, audio podcasts slash video, you know, as added value for my students. But in thinking about the blind student, I'm like, okay, I could record, you know, E, B, 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 right? B, 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 the audio. And then I could also, and also now I, I could type that out. Right, as a text, and I think Jaws or what have you would read that. And then there's obvious, I'm working on a little bit of a variation on, uh, you know, Louis Braille's musical notation, which I understand to be a little bit different than his other one. I'm like, well, come on, Louis, you were an organist. There's only seven different letters. You know, <laughs> so my idea to do like a capital letter would indicate a quarter note, lowercase would be our eighth note. And if it was, you know, three beats, we might put capital E with a three next to it. It's got to be, and again, I'm not intimately aware of you know uh, music note, music notation but there's got to be an easier way because i was told it's kind of apples and oranges can you speak to that so they tried to teach me in the school for the blind braille music when i was a kid and i found it to be very complicated yeah you know plus you have to be having your hand on the music and your other hand on your instrument it was a little tricky Right. And heaven help you if it's not just a melody, you know, then you have to worry about chords and stuff. Braille music is pretty tricky. And we've heard that opinion from many blind musicians who've, you know, they're accomplished musicians, but they've all had um, a lot of trouble dealing with Braille music. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, the ultimate medium for teaching a blind student is a lead sheet. I mean, it's just simply you know, a chord in the left hand and then the melody, which you either know because you can sing it or you, you know, I I record the letter names and or text. But 
I was a blind person read treble and bass clef. That's got to be very arduous. Right. And just to be clear, you did mention this several times, but for people who aren't familiar with what a lead sheet is, it literally is just the chord name. And then on the staff, there's just the melody. So it's up to you to put together the notes of the chord and how the chord looks in your hand on your instrument. Right, right. So one of the things I emphasize, particularly with blind students, is what I call minimal movement, where you take a minor triad, let's say, and then you just drop the pinky finger a half step each subsequent chord. So minimal movement, and then I'm looking for melodies that use that, what I call four minors in a row. And here's a bunch of melodies that use that chord progression. Or we got another one, Blue Skies. This is Stairway to Heaven. Same chord progression. So that expedites the learning. Obviously, if you can get the left hand chords to be second nature, then we can focus on the melody. You sort of get some free songs there. Yeah, it really, you know, it's all, we all learn by patterns, right? And so if you can see the patterns, drop the pinky, okay, there's a list of 30 songs that use that technique. That's a big sound for the first, you know, couple of lessons for anyone. But it's not just rote, it's they're going to understand that it's okay, E minor. Even minor, major seven, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that to me is a much, it's going to be much faster than, you know, reading treble and bass clef, obviously. I assume what you just described is how you would teach a sighted student or a blind student nothing really different. That's true. A beginner of blind or sighted, absolutely. That's true. But I think, you know, obviously, if I'm playing ragtime or jumping around, the hardest part for me, the piano is the big jumps, even being sighted. So if we can minimize the movement, and Peter, you'll understand this maybe, you know, if I'm going to do like a one six two five one progression, and I have a blind student, instead of jumping, I can just move one finger, right? And I get the inversion of the A minor chord. Here's the two chord, I can move one finger. So depending upon the ability of the blind student, you know, I might teach well, I do teach the inversions, but I might have them play, you know, inversions for minimal movement, depending upon how well they can jump around at the piano. So I love that challenge of, okay, what is going to get the student to learn and play and get the biggest sound uh, the quickest, but also understand, you know, patterns, two, five, ones, one, six, two, fives, drop the pinky, circle of fifths, right? Things like that. You don't learn classically. You just don't. Well, and I learned that playing jazz, as you say, you know, by going through the circle of fifths, which is essentially a, a certain chord progression, you do that in all 12 keys and you play the scales in all 12 keys as you're going around. And once you get that into your fingers, you don't have to think so much anymore about how to put together music and it just comes more naturally. So if you practice those and get those ingrained in your head and, and in your memory muscles, it's a big step forward. It's huge. It's huge. One of the first things I always ask a new student, and I teach a, over the years, I've taught a lot of, I'll say, you know, middle-aged women who teach classical, and I'm like, what's the circle of fifths? And nine times out of the ten, they don't really understand the true circle of fifths. They'll say, oh, that's the scale for C major. And if you go up a fifth, you add a sharp. No, that's not the true circle of fifths. And so, again, how can we, you know, teach this as, a, as if a six-year-old would understand it? So those are the kind of things that, I, you know, I've refined over the years and like, you know what, 
this is huge. Give me any starting chord, Pete. I can play Fly Me to the Moon. Because the entire song is circle of fifths, except for three spots. I can remember three spots. I can't remember seemingly 10 arbitrary chords, but they're not arbitrary. Yeah, it makes it easier to transpose songs into other keys if you know the chord structure within the uh, key. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Yeah, so for example, try to remember, right? That's one, hold on a second, one, six, two to five, one to six to two to five, and the bridge is all circle. What? I can play that 20 years from now if I never touch a piano because conceptually, that's what I want to emphasize, I teach concepts, right? Concepts are lifelong. I don't have to unscrew something from the wall. I know the concept of lefty-loosey, righty-tighty, right? I know the concept of circle of fifths. So here's 50 songs that use the circle of fifths, four in a row, five in a row, six in a row. That whole bridge on that song is seven in a row. It's all circle of fifths. So it's extremely um, you know, expeditious to memorize, to transpose, as you say. And, you know, really understand the language of music. You don't get to the language level when you have dots on a page. You just don't. So you're not just simply teaching people where to put their fingers, what notes to hit, etc., but you're giving people an understanding of the music so they can more easily learn other tunes. That's exactly right. You know, I'll start them out. For example, they'll learn, you know, what I call group one chords, all white, C major, F major, G major. And then group two is sharp in the middle, D major, E major, A major. Group three is Oreo cookies, right? Black, white, black, D flat, E flat, A flat. Unless you're from a foreign country and you don't know what Oreo cookies are. <laughs> but, you know, but then you've got the oddballs. The point is, again, I make the analogy. When we first learn to read, right, we learn maybe Dr. Seuss. Cat, rat, sat, fat, bat. We just change one note, we get a whole new word. Same thing here. Once you get your majors as your foundation, Change one note and you get the minor. Change one note, you get the augmented. So basically, when the majors become like your name, we can get three of the other four triads by just moving one note. Right? Love it. So, yeah. Now, you say you teach sighted individuals as well as blind people. What particular challenges do you come across when you teach someone who's blind? Or what do you have to do differently? Yeah, um, I'm well, not always, but I often check their fingering. I'll say, okay, for the major triads, for all... Well, four of the five triads to three note chords, you know, are you using pinky middle thumb? And they'll say yes. And sometimes I can see their hands. I don't have to see their hands, but I'll ask them the fingering. Um, like I teach Owen, he's 14 in Tennessee, fully blind. And it's like, okay, he doesn't necessarily know Yim Chimpuri or Stairway to Heaven. Although he, he's got a really good ear, you know, but he wants to do Bruno Mars. And I'm like, oh boy, how do I do this? Well, I bought the music. And again, it's chord based and he knows the melody pretty well. So that, that works out. But basically, you know, I can hear what they're doing and they're my arrangements, so I know how they're supposed to sound. So it's more, you know, it's, it's minimal, but, you know, what's your fingering here? Occasionally they might be using a weird fingering. But I also have them say chord names out loud because we retain 90% of what we say and do. So let's name them because you're going to learn the typical blind student, any student, for me, is going to learn all of their triads, all 60 triads in the first lesson or two. And then here's 100 songs that use that. What do you like to play? My recollection, when I was a kid, I took piano, but I never got as serious about it and, you know, dropped it as a early teenager. But I remember my piano teachers making a big deal about hand position and proper fingering. And if your students are remote mm -hmm. and some of them can't see, 
Sure. Do you have the opportunity to see their hands on the keyboard and, and be able to give them corrections and advice? Sure. Yeah, I do. We're either on Skype, mostly Skype, and they're usually on a laptop. So I can. Yes, it's a very interesting question. Yeah. So, you know, the more, how shall I say, beginners, really, the fingering gets to be more and more critical. But yes, it's very important. The chords are pretty much pinky, middle, thumb. But yeah, if I have a, a passage that's moving or I'll tell them where to start and what's your fingering, um, that's a good question. Yeah, I can definitely see them, although a lot of my blind students, I don't, you know, I don't require or I don't ask them really to see them because, again, I did lessons over the phone, you know, for five, six years before Skype. But that's a good question. Yeah, I, mean, I have a 12-year-old. Let, no, she's 10. 10, Louise, Louise fully blind, young young girl. Uh, and yeah, it's very important you know, that I tell her the fingerings for, you know, and it's critical that she starts with the, you know, the index finger on that one. So you know, I haven't had too many students say, oh, what? my fingers got tangled up here. But again, I can see them uh, if they come up with, hey, I ran out of fingers, that kind of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You mentioned teaching students with various disabilities. Can you talk about how you teach students with disabilities besides vision loss? So I teach one-handed students as well, and uh, I have a new student who's left-hand only. I've had quite a few that are right-hand only. This is right-hand only. But the left-hand is uh, very interesting. It's, to me, it's much harder, so I've had to adapt. But I, I just love that challenge of, you know, okay, how do I get a left-hand only student to play you know, because if if you're playing right hand only, you can put the harmony underneath the melody. Right. But it's a little little bit different. You know, I can catch I can catch two notes with my thumb in the harmony there. I can't catch two notes contiguous with one finger if they're doing left hand. So it presents some interesting um, challenges. But uh, you know, I I love that challenge. It's it's uh, stimulating for me. <laughs> it's not like physics, but it's close to it. <laughs> <laughs> What gave you the idea, and how were you able to break into the field of teaching people with a variety of special needs, not just blindness, apparently, you know, one-handedness or whatever? Mm-hmm. How did you get started doing that? How did you even find students? One of my in-person adult students had a stroke. This is back in 2001, basically. And her friend said, you know what? Maybe Mark could write you you know, a right-hand only arrangement. And she thought, yeah, right, what, twinkle, twinkle. And so I arranged a song that's all for her, and she was like, wow. So I taught her for 18 years, and I actually go on my websites, you'll see her performing some one-handed. So that was the beginning of that. And then I also had a new student, a blind student, who had the use of just her right hand in England. This was a couple years on. And I'm like, okay, so how do I teach her? So, yeah, she found me on the internet. But yeah, it's extremely rewarding. And I thought, you know what? I have another student right now. He's an orthopedic surgeon. He had a stroke about eight years ago, and he's playing really well. Maybe not as well as I'd like after eight years, but he emphasizes reconnecting the synapses. I'm not a doctor, but the cognitive part of it, right? We do a lot of theory. And he's like, oh, he's just so appreciative. And I think, well, you should be playing a little better after eight years, but I'll quiz him, you know, what's the two chord in the key of G? all these uh, concepts, theoretical, practical concepts. And he loves it because it's connecting those synapses that were lost in the stroke. That's my understanding. So it's, it's very interesting to me. And there's, you know, there's so many, you know how many people have a stroke in the United States every year? 800,000. 
Wow. Wow. Right? Yeah. And now they don't all lose the use of their hand or side, but some do. And it's like, and I just the way that I think, what about all these veterans, you know, who have lost, you know, a hand? I'm like, you know, I give some money to the Veterans Association and they'll say, you know, okay, we'll buy this craft kit. I'm like, let's call up some of these, you know, hospitals or VA and say, you know what, all they have is time. You know, the biggest factor in playing any instrument is time. I'm like, you know what, I should, you know, be teaching some of those. You know, it's great therapy, et cetera. Well, music can certainly be fun, very rewarding, and even therapeutic, as you point out. It sounds like a great service that you offer people around the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, terribly excited about the possibility. You might know the statistics on this, Peter, but there's 35 million people around the world who are fully blind and 270 million who are visually impaired. So a quarter of a billion, B, billion people have some type of you know, visual impairment. Now, they don't all speak English. They don't all have keyboards. But if you do one-tenth of one-tenth of one-tenth of one-tenth percent, you're talking hundreds, right? <laughs> so That works. The potential is, is huge. And like Monday, I have an interview with the Royal National Institute for the Blind. So I've really been reaching out to great uh, podcast radio shows like yours. And I just appreciate you having me on and spreading the word. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about getting remote piano lessons and how to contact Mark Miller. Well, Mark, if people do want to find out about you and perhaps take some lessons, how would they go about that? Uh, they could go to either one of my websites. The main one is uh, Piano Web, one word, pianoweb.com. And I just recently obtained Blind Piano Lessons. Talk about Providence. I cannot believe after 25 years of the internet, that website URL was available. Blindpianolessons.com. That's amazing. I mean, there's other people who do teach, but it's like obvious to me. <laughs> That's a pretty good site name. And then I also have onehandedpianolessons.com. So blindpianolessons.com, onehandedpianolessons.com, and uh, pianoweb.com. I'm happy to give out free 30-minute no-obligation lesson to anyone. And show you how my system works. It's not at all real music notation, and it's uh, it's very conceptual, and that's our strength. We don't have eight hours a day to practice, but we can understand concepts. Once you understand a concept, it's pretty much lifelong. So it's very exciting for somebody who maybe isn't so web savvy. Do you have a telephone interaction you can do? Absolutely, yeah. My cell phone here in the U.S. is um, area code eight four seven four zero one. One seven two one. I'll repeat that. Eight four seven four zero one one seven two one. You can text me that number or call me, and I will get back to you and uh, send you. Like I said, I have hundreds of uh, instructional podcasts and videos. So, and lessons. Tuition includes. You can text me twenty four seven. So if you're practicing the piano and you happen to have a question, just text me and I can answer in two minutes what might hold you up for a week or two. So. Hopefully a lot of added value, and um, this is my passion. I, I love when the light goes on with students. It's so rewarding, <laughs> so rewarding. And do you have an email address or social media presence you want to share? Yes, thank you. Piano Web Man, one word, Piano Web Man at Mac, M-A-C, Mac.com. And remember, you can find all of that contact information 
in the show notes associated with this and every other episode at our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. We hope you're making use of those show notes. That's it for show number 2242. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about accessible games you can play on your iOS devices. A well-executed accessible game can allow a blind person to forget they have a disability and often compete at an equal level to other gamers. We'll speak with Aaron Spelker, an avid gamer since before he lost his eyesight in a freak accident, and who now runs the Apple iPhone iOS voiceover compatible games Facebook group, and has also published many articles and reviews about accessible gaming. So if you enjoy playing games or just want to learn more, we hope you join us for that episode next week. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.